Hi there, I'm Eric Wordweaver-Sherv and go the of the Ridgar folk here in East Texas and I would like to welcome you to The Raven's Call. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy sets my mind on fire at the time. Big UPG warning at the beginning of the episode, like always. Uh, <coughs> these, <laughs> This is just the viewpoint of one go the one heathen here in East Texas and how I go about life and the way that I view the world and kind of a snippet of my heathen worldview. Uh, it's not meant to be an end-all be-all of anything, I am by no means the final authority on anything in heathenry. I'm simply one guy and these are simply my insights. Um, hopefully they will serve as some kind of a uh, conversation starter. That's really what they're designed to be, is just a chance to to get the conversation rolling for your own hearths, your own cult, your own tribes, and to help encourage people to build hearth cult and build tribal culture and uh, develop your worldview and how you see the world. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who will tell you this is the right way or the wrong way to do heathenry, and I'm not that guy. I'm not a hardcore recon. I'm not a fluffy bunny uh, neo-pagan. I am somewhere in the middle. I like a good foundation in tradition and in research. Uh, but I am definitely one that advocates for the organic growth and natural development of the tree that is heathenry. So uh, all my contact information is down below. You guys know how to do all that stuff. I've got a P.O. box if you guys want to send anything into the channel. I've got uh, you know all my email and stuff like that. So And uh, I've seen some requests come up on the Facebook group here recently. I am going to capitalize on some of those and make some episodes coming up uh, based on those. And I'll try and give you guys shout-outs when I do that. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. So we'll see where this goes. And without any further ado, I guess we'll jump into today's subject. Now, this week, at least for American heathens, is an interesting week because this is Thanksgiving week. Um, tomorrow, by the time you guys see this, uh, at least those that are watching it the day it drops, uh, is a day that is uh, kind of a weird one for heathenry in general because we end up as heathens, uh, the worldview is very different and the holiday scheduling is a little bit different for us. Uh, we have our own holidays and our own traditions that we build up and everybody's different tribes and different hearths practice those in different ways. And uh, it always kind of, this time of year where the, the holidays are all kind of jumbled up together, uh, gets to be particularly difficult. I've talked about this with regards to Halloween and uh, Winter Nights in the past and how I kind of work the two in together uh, to meet the needs of my people. But Thanksgiving is one that is completely out of the realm of heathenry. Uh, it's not a heathen holiday in and of itself. Technically speaking, uh, Thanksgiving is not a religious holiday in and of itself. It is a national holiday for Americans. And this means nothing to people outside of America that may watch the channel. And I know I've got a few followers that are from overseas. Uh, shout out to John real quick over in the UK. Uh, he always follows and always has some interesting things to say. Uh, we don't always see eye to eye on stuff, but it makes for fun conversation. And uh, I know I've got some viewers that are over in, I think, Australia. And I think I've seen some up in uh, the Nordic countries as well. So uh, shout out to all my overseas viewers. Uh, this is not just about Thanksgiving, but it is thematic because of Thanksgiving being this week. Now, the idea, of course, behind Thanksgiving is supposed to be a chance for Americans to say what they are thankful for and appreciate uh, what we have. Um, <clears throat> 2020 has not been a year that is 
I don't know, it's weird. 2020 is one of those years that you don't get to enjoy the things that you do appreciate nearly as much as we did before, uh, particularly the things that we see as most valuable, uh, family and friends, you know, our kith and kin, our innengard. Uh 2020, especially with the whole COVID situation, has been particularly tumultuous and has made it difficult for us to really band together. And in some ways, I think that actually brings more to the forefront of how thankful we are for these people that are around us. Now, I'm not going to get into the politics behind, you know, which side of the the thing you end up on with regards to uh, the whole COVID situation. There's a lot of, uh, lot of opinions one way or the other, but that's not what this is about. Regardless of, you know, your views on lockdowns and things like that, um, <clears throat> in general, it's just been particularly difficult to get together. Uh, I know one way that's impacted us here is that I've got a grandmother who is in a nursing home at the moment, and we have been unable to go see her since, like, March, because everything's been locked down heavily. So keeping tabs on her and keeping connection with her has been exceedingly difficult, and uh, <clears throat> it has caused... It's made any kind of planning for a Thanksgiving-type gathering almost impossible. <coughs> so that being said, it has really brought to the forefront how much I value and appreciate my family and the fact that this year has made it more difficult for me to gather the family and do things together that we would normally do. Um, we still do, uh, as responsibly as we can. Um, but not everybody is so lucky, especially those with family members that live a good distance away or like, you know, my grandmother have individuals that are in uh, homes or things like that that make it almost impossible for people to visit and maintain those connections to keep the grass beaten down, as it were. Uh, 2020 is a year where the grass has been allowed to grow very high and uh, there's varying reasons for that. Various people have various opinions with regards to that. Uh, but nonetheless, the idea behind Thanksgiving as a holiday is that we get to appreciate those things more, um, but it's not a heathen holiday. It does not appear in the heathen calendar. It is not based on heathenry in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Uh, it does have some religious overtones within regards to the fact that uh, the general gist of Thanksgiving was built around an ideology of thanking uh, the Almighty for, you know, what we have. And that, that particular aspect of things, phrased that way, uh, doesn't... It's, it's not that it doesn't jive with heathenry, it actually does. Um, if you think about the Rune Othala, uh, which represents those immaterial wealth items and ideologies, those things that are most valuable to us that can't be necessarily um, <sighs> measured in ways that you would normally a, a, a monetary commodity. You know, we've talked before about feu uh, and gold and the value of uh, material things and how that plays into things and manifestation of luck and whatnot. Well, this is a time where we appreciate the othala of things. Now, usually, as heathens, we do a lot of that during Yuletide, and that's where I like to focus a lot of my attention, but I still have family that practices uh, more of a secular version of Thanksgiving. It's an opportunity to get together and just enjoy family and being together. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, as a heathen, 
any excuse to gather the family and enjoy and be you know thankful for those people that we have around us and appreciative of those people that we have around us uh, that that's a good thing in my book uh, you know I, I have no problem thanking the gods for the part that they play in my family being able to be together uh, I have no problem with showing the appreciation to my ancestors for the choices that they've made that have built the Orlog that I enjoy today the privileges and benefits of that that allow me to be able to do what I do, things like make a YouTube channel or work with my family business, which is where I am today. I'm in the back out here at the shop. And uh, it is, it, it's a perfectly heathen ideal to gather up and express appreciation for those people that matter the most to you. And I have no problem with this. Now, you know, the holiday itself has a ruddy history when it comes to things like the European incursion into North America, the impact that it had on the Native Americans, etc., etc., etc. But that's not the focus of what we do when we get together. Uh, we, we focus on appreciating family and appreciating what we have. And this in and of itself is heathen to me. I have no problem as a heathen participating in this particular ritual because it espouses heathen virtues uh, whether it realizes that it does or not. And so that kind of comes into the generalized concept and conversation point uh, for this particular video and that is how in modern heathenry do we work with holidays and other things that don't necessarily jive with heathenry. Because in the olden days, uh, back in the arch-heathen times, heathenry didn't even have a name. Uh, you didn't need a name for it because names were used to differentiate one thing from another. And when everybody was just heathen, there wasn't anything else to compare it to. Ergo, it didn't need a name. Thus, uh, a lot of people have uh, adopted many names for it over the ages. Um, humans need to codify things in order to be able to understand. It's the way our brains function. And that is, I mean, that's fine. That's just the way the human brain works. But back in the day, you know, I mean, heathenry was just heathenry. Uh, in the modern day, this is very different because we live in amalgamated societies with multiple different faiths and multiple different uh, cultural influences. And that's not a bad thing. That's just the world at large and how things are. Um, with regards to like tribal functions, I tend to keep those centered around heathenry itself. But when we're talking about things like Thanksgiving or some of the other holidays that folks might enjoy, uh, that gets more into the realm of hearth cult. And even then, familial traditions. And it is not necessarily tied to the religious side of things at all. Like for me, Thanksgiving is not a religious thing in the slightest. Um, I can work some religious elements into it, but most of my family is not heathen. So I'm not going to go to a Thanksgiving gathering and uh, try and do bloat or anything like that. But I may try and sneak aside a little something to make offering to the ancestors. Uh, usually, my wife and I host our Thanksgiving dinners uh, at our place, and I always set aside an ancestor's plate and make a toast at the beginning of the meal uh, to honor those that are gathered, uh, the family and friends that we hold most dear, and we thank our ancestors and bid them be welcome with us at feast. And I make it heathen because it is something that is important to my family and those members that actually come out to the house are cool with my heathenry. Uh, not all of them are heathen, um, 
but they're all cool with it and uh, they appreciate the familial focus and tradition that I build up around it. And so in so doing, um, it's not like I'm sitting here trying to hail Odin at the dinner table, um, but I am thanking my ancestors. I am honoring my ancestors. I am revering them and giving them a place of honor with my family. I am taking a moment to gather the people together and to make things whole for a moment. And that is holy. Uh, that is what is most important to me. And therefore, just because it doesn't appear on some heathen calendar from, you know, 900 AD or whatever, CE, uh, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. And that, I think, is the point that I try to make with a lot of this, is that in the modern era, sometimes we have to find the heathenry in things to be able to find our balance because we cannot superimpose heathenry on top of everything else and expect to be able to jive in the world. If you want to live in a perfectly heathen world, then you're going to be uh, cutting yourself off from everyone else at large because not everyone else lives in a perfectly heathen world. I'm not even sure what you would call a perfectly heathen world. And even if you look back to arch-heathen times, there was a lot of cross-cultural workings, interactions, things like that. And it wasn't something that just it had to be heathen or it was out. Uh, that was one thing that heathens were well known for back in the day was the amalgamation of other cultures, uh, the exploration of other cultures. Um, Northern Europeans in general were largely explorative in nature and loved to experience new things. They loved new shinies and were fascinated with other cultures and had a very world-affirming uh, view of the world. Um, they, they embrace the world around them in a lot of ways. Now this isn't true for everyone, it's globalization, and as you all know globalizations don't hold on the microcosmic scale, uh, but in general you can speak in generalities and say that, you know, typically it was a more world-affirming, more accepting kind of view with regards to uh, culture and the way of things. Not that everyone was trying to convert to something new, that didn't happen until the northern incursion of Christianity as a whole. Uh, but there were uh, syncretisms and amalgamations that occurred over the years as people increased their exposure to other cultures in the outside world. And this is natural with humans. Uh, we adapt and we, we you know, amend our view of the world as we learn more. Uh, and that's just humanity in general. So my point in all of this is that as we go forward, you guys have to deal with uh, strange holidays that may not necessarily jive with heathen worldview. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean the core value and virtue of the holidays are completely out of sync with heathen ideals. You can absolutely look for the heathenry in things and then choose to focus on that. Whether or not something is a no-go for you is dependent heavily on the choice that you make with it and how you choose to frame it. Framing is everything in psychology and as you guys know my background is in psychology and that is largely what I am expressing here is framing things in such a way as to reconcile cognitive dissonance. Uh, sorry to drop the jargon but you know that's that's effectively what's going on here the introduction of a uh, non-normative cultural element uh, creates cognitive dissonance and then proper framing can allow one to reconcile the dissonance that has been created and allow for homeostasis within the brain once more um, 
jargon aside, uh, what this means is that if family and gathering a family is something that you value, then that is a heathen thing and it is okay to embrace that. It is okay to go to your family's Thanksgiving dinner and to be respectful of the people there, to be respectful of their traditions, and you know, if they're gonna do a prayer to their God, then in the moment you can just as easily offer a prayer to your own and express gratitude for that which you have around you because you are gathered within in God. You are gathered with friends and family that matter most to you. And that's a, a glorious thing. There are other holidays that are... There are other holidays that I've seen people put like heathen veneers on, and I don't see a need for that. I really don't. Um, there's the whole idea of the Feast of the Anuryar, um, which is... That's... That's an addition that has come with modern era and the need to um, put a heathen wash over things. And I've seen that associated with both Thanksgiving and Veterans Day um, independently, depending on the particular focus of things. And I don't feel like that's necessary. I've also seen reference to a Feast of Vali. Um, these are not traditionally heathen things, but again, it's a framing thing. If that's what you need for yourself in that moment, then just be honest with yourself that you are framing this in a heathen, you know, wire working that allows you to enjoy this. And as long as you are enjoying time with friends and family, then you're you're doing the heathen thing. Uh, so that's, I'm not going to be judgmental on that one. Uh, I don't feel like you need to necessarily absolve yourself of all things non-heathen to be strong in your heathenry. As long as you are comfortable in your heathenry and your belief and your worldview, then, you know, interacting with other cultures shouldn't be a threat. Uh, it's not going to uh, overwhelm you because you make the choices that you make. You continue to be heathen, and that's fine. Um, <clears throat> I would say keep in mind the whys. You guys hear me constantly talk about the why is important, and the same thing here. The why is the most important thing. Why do you go to this gathering? You go to this gathering to be with friends and family. You go to this gathering to celebrate those people that matter the most to you, uh, regardless of what the holiday gathering is. That's the crux of it. You go together to gather and you celebrate tribe, you celebrate family, you celebrate clan and kin, you celebrate all these things that we value deeply. And with that, you're, you're golden, you're groovy. Um, that's a heathen thing to do. Now, whether or not it's, you know, dressed up in heathen trappings, well, that's a different story. Um, if you are the host of things, you can apply, like I said with my own traditions, you can apply whatever heathen trappings that you want. But I would say keep in mind the why of things. The why is to celebrate family that is gathered. And if being you know, overly heathen with your traditions is going to alienate some of your family, then maybe stay more to the secular side and don't lean heavily into the religious side on either way. Uh, maybe offer some smatterings of you know heathen culture so that you have a piece of yourself reflected in it. Uh, but maybe don't be quite so out there and try to do like bloat at the table or something like that or fainting. Um, it might make some of the family members uneasy. You can still do your offerings off to the side and those that are there at the gathering that are of heathen, that are heathen, <laughs> uh, you can gather them with you and do kind of an offside thing. Usually when I do my tribal gatherings for any kind of festival, 
I separate things so that when we go to do ritual, uh, there's things for the non-heathens in the group to do up in the main gathering area while the heathens go down and do ritual. Uh, this is considerate to them. It shows that we appreciate them, and it shows that they are very much members of the tribe and family, even if they're not heathen. Again, the why is important. I have them gathered not just so that we can upkeep our obligations with the gods. That is very much a real thing. That's very much why we uphold the festivals. But I hold it as a festival because gathering the people and celebrating as a tribe what, value, what we value the most and what matters to us is why we do it. Um, that's, that's the crux of things. So this is why I will focus some things out there for them to do, uh, games, activities, or just a place for them to sit and visit and catch up while the rest of us go down and do our thing, and then we come back up and rejoin the conversation. Um, they see us embrace our heathenry. They see us live our heathenry around us. They see us do some of our heathen stuff up and around in, in the main area. Uh, but when we go down to the vey for the holy ritual, uh, they have something to do to occupy themselves while we go off and tend to do business. And this is, you know, like I said, this is considerate. Um, keep that in mind as you go through and you're going to family gatherings or you are uh, hosting them yourselves. There are ways to incorporate your heathenry without necessarily going out of your way to offend anyone. If you, have, if you feel the need to throw your heathenry up in somebody's face, that's usually a red flag that either you are not comfortable in your heathenry and you feel that the only way that you can... The only way you can reaffirm your ego, and not ego in that, you know, you think everything of yourself, etc., etc. No, ego is in sense of self from the psychological term, the, the inner sense of being. Um, that reaffirming self, uh, that, that comfort for self, if, that's, if you feel like you have to throw that up in people's faces, uh, that's usually a sign that you may not be necessarily as comfortable in your heathenry as you could be. And uh, that may be an area that you might need to work on. I mean, it's up to you for your self-reflection on that one. Um, but it also, if you're going in and you're making the conversation about, you know, Christianity versus heathenry or, you know, uh, Islam versus heathenry or whatever your surrounding cultural influences are, then it's not about gathering with family. It's not about gathering with kith and kin. You're making it about the cultural differences. Now, I recognize sometimes the other cultural influences of the family are so in your face that there's a defense mechanism that kicks up and says, whoa, hang on, <laughs> we don't do that, we're heathen, this is, we do things differently. Um, and there's no, there's no skeleton key for that. Uh, you have to kind of feel your family out, you have to feel the surrounding out, and be as respectful as you can of the situation, but still be protecting your your cultural values and whatnot. Um, that's a tightrope walk that goes back and forth. Um, the big thing that I see is that a lot of people in other cultures have the same kind of problem that they feel they need to force their culture onto someone else and that is a sign of some weakness there in their own worldview <coughs> that they feel they need that external control for affirmation. Um, Plus, some of them have specific teachings with regards to this, and that becomes particularly difficult. The best thing that I find in that is to just kind of shy the conversation away back to a common neutral ground conversation point, the things that you do have in common with family. Uh, you, don't, you can be the pagan in the room of you know, Christians or Jews or whatever your family background is, and 
the conversation of religion never come up. Uh, or if it does, you can skillfully reroute it because you may have other things in common. You may have business interests in common. You may have, uh, uh, you may be fans of sci-fi stuff, television shows, um, RPG gaming in my instance, uh, football in some homes, or soccer, uh, football uh, overseas. Uh, you could have any number of things where there are common grounds and you can talk about those things. Or you can take advantage of the opportunity to get people talking about family history. That is an excellent an opportunity to hear stories that you will be able to pass down and speak over the horn. So family gatherings are a treasure trove of fuel <laughs> for Sumble. You know, when you get together in Sumble and you want to share a story about your great-grandfather, but you may not have very many memories, but you've got an older aunt or uncle who remembers them very well, boom, treasure trove. Get it, get it, get it, get it. And remember everything you can. Write down if you need to. Take your phone out and take notes. I mean, this is an excellent opportunity. I take advantage of every opportunity I can when I'm gathered with family to get stories about family members that maybe I haven't met or maybe that I was too young when they passed. Um, I have an uncle that I barely knew, uh, that my little brothers didn't hardly know at all, uh, that I get stories from my dad all the time. Uh, about you know his how he saw the world and what his his experiences were, and then I get stories about my grandfather from my dad, um, and from extended family members when we get together, and then when my mom's side of the family gets together, uh, there's tons of stories that pass around there too. So it's an excellent opportunity to build that that repertoire of familial stories, and to gain some really good fodder for the horn because they are family. Whether or not they're heathen is irrelevant. They are still part of your orlock. They're still part of your line. And that is valuable in and of itself. So the why, the framing, as long as you think of things in these terms, you can find your place. You can be the heathen at a table full of non-heathens and still be okay in your heathenry because you're gathered with friends and family and that's fine. It's fine. It doesn't have to be Viking this and Viking that. That's not what it's about. It's not about heathen culture. It's not about uh, Christian culture. It's not about you know, any of these specific cultural elements. It's about your familial culture. It is about the family. It is about the friends and family that gather together. If you don't have family around and you gather your friends together, uh, you know, Friendsgiving thing, I've seen that a lot. Um, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing and I'm glad that people do it because the essence of it is to gather and celebrate your Innengart. And that's, that's the crux of this particular holiday to me. Um, there are other holidays that don't jive uh, because they are particularly tied to other religious cultures. And as such, there's not, you know, there, there's not a heathenry element. Like, for instance, um, well, I mean, there is. There's always a heathenry element in the gathering of friends and family, uh, which is the point that I'm actually trying to get to. Uh, but like, for instance, uh, my family used to get together and do huge gatherings around Easter. And, uh, you know, heathens have a different view when it comes to Easter or Ostra. And uh, for us, it's Livka. And so we'll do our Livka gathering and do our celebrations there. But I would still gather for the family, you know, picnic and cookout thing for their Easter celebration. Not because of anything that has to do with the religious side. I'm not going with them to church for that. But I will gather for the picnic because I want to gather with the family and I want to hear what they have to say. 
Yeah, there's family members that I may not necessarily have the closest relationship to, or maybe even there's some contentious relationships with, but they're still family. And so I still need to have some kind of understanding of them and what's going on with them because people grow, people change, and family members that I may have had beef with in the past, I may not now as things have developed and we have all grown as mature adults. And that's a good thing. <laughs> that is a very good thing. Or rifts may have grown more. And it's important to kind of get a measure of that and figure out what's going on there uh, and see whether or not that is a thing that I want to work on. It varies and it depends. So look at the why of what you're being involved in and don't necessarily shun it because most heathens out there are actually solitary heathens. They don't belong to tribe. They don't belong to a, a, a kindred or some organized group of heathens. A lot of heathens are practicing on their own in their own individual hearth cult and they do not have a lot of heathens in their familial culture, but you're still family. So that, that creates a lot of cognitive dissonance and it's important to see how you can frame that in a way that you can work with it, that you can be comfortable in that setting, that you, can, that you don't have to get into the religion argument with family. You can kind of veer away from it, shy away from it, and focus on things that you do have in common. Take some time to tell stories, to swap stories, find out family history, find out, you know, when did, you know, when did the family move to this particular neck of the woods? Um, what did great-great-grandmother do? Um, did she have any kind of things that she was well known for? Uh, do you have any aunts and uncles, great aunts and uncles, great grandparents that were particularly musical? Uh, does anybody still have any recordings of those uh, from their days in their musical interludes? Things like that. The why is Inengarth. The, the why is clan. The why is family. Friends, kith and kin. As long as you keep the why in mind, you can find your comfort zone. You can. And if you need to, it's okay to step aside and take a moment by yourself and kind of recollect. Because there's a lot of people out there that are not extroverted in any way, shape, form, or fashion, and the idea of a family gathering is taxing to them. I get that. I do. I understand. There are times I go back and forth. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those that... Gemini, I kind of have a little bit of the extrovert and a little bit of the introvert in me. It depends on my mood at the time and how much outside world I've had to deal with lately and my particular stress level at the time. So there may be times where I don't want to be around a bunch of people, but I feel like I need to. Like I have kind of a familial obligation to be a part of this and to let people in the family see that you can still be a good person and not necessarily be of their particular cultural bent. Uh, so I go and I am a part of it and I let people see me and I talk to people. I talk to people honestly. Um, I weigh what I talk about with each family member because I do have family members that are aggressively Christian. <laughs> and so I don't talk to them about that. I talk to them about other things. I talk to them about nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles. I talk to them about what's going on in their lives, what their life history has been. That's what I focus on with them. Other family members I have are more open in their conversation and may have some questions because they've seen my YouTube channel or they have seen my posts on Facebook and they may have questions. They may not. They may shy away from me because of it, but that's their problem, not mine. I'm not the one that's initiating that. I am not the point of contention in that. I am there and I am willing to be a, an involved part of this particular gathering and if they don't want to talk to me, well then that's their choice. That's their loss because I'm here and I'm willing to play ball. 
Uh, I'm willing to have a conversation and I'm not going to throw my culture up in your face. I'm going to give you an example of how you should interact to me when we interact. You train people how to interact with you. It's another thing in psychology. Your reactions and your actions influence how other people will treat you and interact with you. If you go in overly fearful that they are going to be aggressive towards you with regards to your culture and your religion, and you throw up boundaries and barriers that make you standoffish, then they are going to naturally be a little more standoffish, a little less welcoming, um, because that's what they're being met with. So if you are open and inviting with your interactions, depending on previous damage that has been done and previous relationships that have been established, because this is not a, a vacuum point. This is, you know, influenced by Orlog. This is influenced by everything that has come before. Um, you can be that example in the moment of how to interact and be like, hey, look, I'm here. I'm going to talk to you about family stuff. We're going to talk about business stuff. Uh, I'm going to wear my hammer, but we don't have to talk about heathenry at all. We don't have to talk about your religion at all. We can talk about things that we do have in common and we can have a pleasant interaction and we can go on about our business because at the end of the day, you do get to go home. You do get to unplug from it all and you do get to step back from it and be like, okay, I've had that interaction. Let me synthesize that. Let me gather what I got from that and evaluate. Let me see what was there that I took value from. And everybody's family is different. Nobody, this isn't a cookie cutter situation. Not everybody's family is going to function like mine. Some people's families are particularly contentious. There are generations of maladaptive coping skills that have been built up in particular families. There's enmeshment. There are um, aggressive personalities that abuse power and relationship. Um, these things are there and you can't necessarily avoid that. So what I can tell you though is that if it is a toxic environment, it is not in your best interest to force yourself into it and to force yourself to endure a toxic situation in order to have this. You do need to protect you because protecting you protects your hearth and that's an important thing. Your first responsibility is to your hearth. The extended family comes after that because um, you know me it, it's hearth clan and tribe my responsibility is to my hearth first and if my if going to clan gatherings is a detriment to my hearth well then i need to to reevaluate why that is is it because of toxic environments within the clan and therefore is that something that i need to distance myself in order to protect my hearth or is it an issue in my hearth that needs to be reconciled in order to fix my relationship with my clan. It's a give and take kind of thing, and it is not simple. It is not simple. These kind of things are why staff bearers, uh, Volva, uh, the, the wise women, would wander from tribe to tribe and read the weird of a tribe, read the weird of a gathering, and be able to tell where issues are at and help to kind of reconcile those things. Um, they would make predictions they would make divinations. The idea behind this is they're reading the patterns and the relationships and energies at play and saying, if you don't fix this, this is going to be an issue. You know, they, they would spot that cancerous point and be like, you probably need to do something about that. <laughs> and then people would take that information and do with it what they would. So, you know, not everybody's situation is the same. Uh, nobody's situation is perfect. And there's give and take. I'm simply saying that the, <clears throat> the specific reason for the gathering isn't necessarily about 
the trappings of the gathering in the general zeitgeist of society. Um, for instance, in America, Thanksgiving. Uh, for me, like I said, it's about gathering with family and showing appreciation for those things that I have, that I value. And I have no problem doing that as a heathen. It's actually my responsibility as a heathen to show my reverence and my appreciation for those things and to uphold my end of the bargain and to recognize in looking around at that gathering the part that I play in that gathering in to those people, what I mean to those people and what those people mean to me. Um, friends, family, whoever it is that you gather with at any particular time, that's your inengacht. You know, those are the people that matter the most to you. Weigh that. Consider that. That is the why of things. And as long as the why of things you can reconcile within your heathenry, well, then you can, you can find your spot and you can move forward. So, now this, of course, you know, during Yuletide, it's easy because, uh, you know, what uh, the, the general secular Christmas or even the religious Christmas, whatever, uh, falls during Yule, for many of us, uh, depending on the particular Yule schedule that you use. So for my culture, for my tribe, um, it falls, the 25th falls in the middle of our Yule calendar. And so I have no problem gathering with people on the 25th and celebrating with them because I am celebrating kith and kin during Yule. And whether I do it on the 25th, the 21st, the 28th, doesn't matter to me. It's just another day of Yule. And so, sure, you want to gather on the 25th to do this? Let's do it. It works with yours, works with mine, common ground. I'm good with it. So that's, I have no problem with that. Um, that's familial culture, familial tradition, and finding the heathenry in it. So, make of that what you will. Um, my, my big thing is that I wish you all well during the holiday season that's coming up. I hope that you can find your moment of peace and that you can find your spot and that you can find your place of belonging within the family uh, that you have, whether it be chosen family or birth family, friends, whatever it is. I hope that you can find your moment of peace therein, that you can stop and appreciate uh, with all the crazy that's going on, with all the, the election stuff, with all of the you know, COVID stuff going on with all of the many myriad things that we have to deal with in this world. I hope that you can find a moment of peace where you can step back and say, yeah, but I have my friends. I have my family. And if worse comes to worse, we've got each other's backs. That's what I hope for you. That's, I, I, I wish you that your hearth fire will burn brightly and warmly, that you will have happiness in your homes and even if it's just for a brief moment, that you can stop and appreciate that. Smell the roses, as it were. Anyway, hail to you all. Thank you. May your hearth fires burn bright.